Hello, it's Friday the 15th of December. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I've walked an awfully long way from an alternative commune in the French mountains to be here. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we approach the news like we're making a carefully curated sandwich. Some pieces of sliced white sun-blessed, grab some old cheese from the mail, some wet lettuce from the Guardian, something off-puttingly meaty from the Telegraph, slap them all together and smother in tasty hot sauce courtesy of the star. It's a weird taste, but you get used to it. (laughs) Now here are the headlines for today's show. Going vape, Big Tobacco has been funding dodgy science to promote vapes to teenagers. Hit the North, long-lost Oldham kid found in southern France trying to walk home. And what? No home alone? The Guardians come up with its top ten Christmas films, and of course, we disagree. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've put all the Christmas present money in a blind trust. Sorry, kids. <laughs> I'm Miranda Sawyer, and with me today is new statesman columnist and sturdy cheese refusenik, John Ellidge. Hi, John. No surrender to the cheese-eating hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is comedian and terrifying cheese booster, <laughs> it's Marcus Brigstock. Hi, Marcus. I will wear the two of you down until you give in and eat Christmas cheese. No way. So, what do we have on the front pages today? John, what have you got? The Times has uh, actually quite a good investigation, which we're coming back to. Pro-vaping campaign funded by Big Tobacco. Hmm. Uh, Over in the eye, interest rates may have to rise next year, bank warns. Uh, In better news, above that, though, it says victory for Ukraine as EU opens talks over membership. That's a good one. Don't get too excited, though, because in The Guardian, it's another Ukraine story. Quote, we will stand until the end on the front line in Ukraine. It's quite an interesting one, actually, because it doesn't it doesn't look like a front page. No, it looks like it inside, doesn't it? There's it, no kind of big headline. It does. Also, they have found, let's be honest, the two most Ukrainian-looking people in the world to, to interview. Yeah, they have. Um, and last but not least, The Daily Telegraph... Uh, Confusingly next to a lovely picture of Emma Stone, Hamas plot to kill Jews in Europe, foiled. Mm. There's also another bit just down here on the... There, look. Look at this one. We might just touch on that. Oh, yes. And beneath that, uh, we learn that uh, Rishi Sunak's latest brain fart, under 16s face limits on social media use. To which we can only say, (laughs) that'll work. (laughs) And he's going to personally enforce that. (laughs) He's going to pop round to your house and go, ah, 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 ah. Put that down. <laughs> Put the Wi-Fi router out the wall. Yeah. <laughs> right, should we all just say what our screen time is, kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah? <laughs> OK, Marcus, what do you have? Uh, I've got the Daily Mail here. Uh, they've gone with, uh, as kidnapped, in inverted commas, boy crosses Pyrenees to freedom. Where's Alex been for the last six years? And then they immediately answer that. <laughs> uh, so, well, I mean, it's a, it's a weird story. We'll look at it more later. But it is it's, there's a lot more to it than he got snatched and disappeared. Uh, they've also got now the crown brackets made by Harry's Netflix paymasters. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. 
<laughs> they managed to paint Netflix as this, like, it's a new thing, guys. You may not know about it. Um, anyway, the crown portrays William egging him on to wear Nazi fancy dress. Also, the male has clearly been desperate to put Harry in Nazi dress on the front again for ages. And, now, and now they've got an actor playing him to do the job. So. Exactly. They've nailed it. Uh, the Sun, this morning exclusive, Ben and Cat get a rise. Pair lined up to replace Holly and Phil. This is Ben Shepherd and Cat Dealey, who are going to take over, I think, from Holly and Phil on this morning. So that's lovely news for it's them, weird. I should I think. I swear the Sun used to be a newspaper. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. They've got eight free pages on Cheltenham Favourite. And free world darts pull out inside. <laughs> Actually, if you are buying the sun, do be careful because that does include six darts. <laughs> um, the mirror. Teen Alex turns up in France. Lost Brit boy found after six years. He says he was kidnapped by his mother and taken to a Spanish commune. And then the star, proud to love animals. Um, I mean, the th it's a feast, guys. It, it is. is a feast. They've got a picture of uh, three, no, four rams crossing Abbey Road, and they've gone with it's the Bleatles. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, they've got a picture of an unhappy looking pie. They've got Rishi Sunak with a red nose on. Uh, says Rishi, ban Insta kids. And then the central story is you better be sitting down for this news. Your sofa is making you thick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joy. Bad news for couch potatoes, apparently. Vegging out in front of your telly could hit your IQ because of all the chemicals in sofas. Oh, what? Right. What? <laughs> so it's, it's not, not just because we're sitting no, no, down too long. It's not the act of sitting there mindlessly <laughs> flicking through apps you can't remember the pin for but are paying for. Uh, no, it's actually that there are chemicals in your sofa. And they're coming up through your bum. Yeah, I mean, I know... Wear some fucking trousers! <laughs> I know what's in our sofa, and it's crumbs and farts. So... It's killing you. Now, on the front page of The Times is a good old-fashioned scoop. Investigative reporter Billy Kenbert has got the coup on vaping companies. What the Times investigative team has found is that tobacco companies have been, this may be a shock to you, bankrolling wonky scientific papers, dodgy doctors and supposedly grassroots organisations that play down the risks of children vaping as part of a secretive lobbying campaign to boost vape sales. John, this sounds... Highly likely, doesn't it? It does. I mean, as Shirley Bassey once said, it's all just a little bit of history repeating. Mm. They used to do this in the 1950s. Uh, so it's called the Tobacco Industry Playbook, where where tobacco companies would literally sort of fund dodgy scientific research and also, you know, um, fake grassroots presser groups, astroturfing they call it. To kind of, so that they kind of had a way of getting their message to government that wasn't so obviously like a cigarette company going, cigarettes are great. They'd fund the fundamental man, basically. And what's happened is the tobacco companies uh, now now make vapes. And shockingly, it turns out they're doing exactly the same bloody thing. Mm. So according to this investigation, these companies have been funding research papers that question the risks of youth vaping, uh, which the tobacco companies then get to cite as evidence. Uh, saying this is this is all very safe. Um, those have been funded by companies including Philip Morris and British American Tobacco. Mm. Uh, there's a bit about hundreds of doctors have actually attended pro-vaping training sessions, which say that vapes are actually a great way of getting people to stop uh, real smoking. Uh, this is being run by an NHS doctor, but funded by, uh, again, Philip Morris. 
It's so grim, isn't it? It's so grim because it's like, okay, not only are they, like, obviously they're making cigarettes, but they're now funding vapes that say, if you want to come off cigarettes, try these. It's like, it's unbelievable. Real science has proved that people who smoke vapes are three times as likely to start smoking cigarettes, i.e., you know, they are a gateway to Mm. cigarettes. So obviously tobacco companies want to promote vapes. There is literally no reason to... There there is no argument in favour of vaping. Mm -mm. That isn't like, you know, well, it'll it'll stop people smoking. If that's not true, if it turns out it makes people more likely to smoke, we're just kind of littering the planet with more single-use plastics. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, it's almost depressing. I think it's probably uh, an age thing. That's one of my... Bigger concern, maybe my biggest concern is like I'm absolutely sick to death of seeing shit plastic vapes dropped, stood on everywhere, everywhere I go. They're like the little um, nitrous gas containers yeah. that look like squirrels have been scuba diving that were everywhere. <laughs> and now you can't get those, so now it's full-size gas canisters. But yeah, the plastic vapes get getting used and then just discarded everywhere. It's... Um, yeah, it's very it's grim. There's also a separate piece about the guy behind elf bars. He, so the elf bars are those little those now, little ones. I read this. Mm. Now, is an elf bar a vape? Yes, it's the ones that you see everywhere. So 75% of the market in the UK of disposable vapes are elf bars. They are right. the little, the ones that look like sweeties. You know, they're okay. different colours. And he sells. So he's a Chinese guy called Zhang Shen Wei. He's a billionaire. What a surprise. You know how many they sell in a week in the UK? Go on. Three million units. Three million. Fuck me. That is so many. He's got 75% of the market in the UK. So that's not even the whole of the market. The, the market is obviously four million units a week. I knew this had happened when they put the price of Freddo's up. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, I mean, to me, I do find this uh, really shocking. I don't really understand why we don't just ban them. Well, Rishi's quite in favour of banning some things. Yeah, isn't he just? Yeah. He's he's already decided that real tobacco should be phased out. And he's consulting at the moment on raising the age you can use social media to 16. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but, you know, I have children. It makes me laugh. So you're not going to be able to use TikTok till you're 16, but, you know, carry on vaping. Can we do this, by the way? Can we make sure one of his kids has a really shitty experience on the West Coast mainline so he funds HS2? (laughs) (laughs) Now, in the good old Guardian, there's another festive ranked list. After the top 10 of carols the other day, which they got wrong, they've dared (laughs) to rank in the top 10 of Christmas films. And also in the sun, there's a... This is an amazing headline. Hang on. Test your festive... Flicks, no, ho, ho, how. <laughs> I, that's a list of Christmas films and they test how much you know about it. So anyway, let's go to The Guardian for a laugh. Yeah. What's the top 10 list of Christmas films like, Marcus? Here's some no, ho, ho, how. Uh, so I opened this. I was excited to see this because I love a Christmas film and I opened it thinking, oh, it's The Guardian. They could blow this by being miserable. And then I saw, and I'm going to go straight to it, that their number one Christmas film is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Hooray. And I'm on board. Yeah, this is I'm on board. John, shush. It's tremendous. (laughs) We're not allowing any dissent from the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's so overrated. It doesn't matter. It's the Muppets. How is it overrated? See, the Guardian have nailed this. We're doing what they wanted. How is that overrated, John? Come on. Because everyone thinks it's the best thing ever and it's fine. Yeah, but it's the Muppets. No, you're thinking of Elf, which everyone thinks is good and is nearly fine. 
One yeah. of Will Ferrell's weakest performances. And I'm not. I'm not pro Elf. I, I do think <laughs> okay. you have to. Have, I, I, this is a general thing. I think the, the the best Christmas films are the ones you see when you are a kid. Yeah, very true. I, I first saw Muppets Christmas Carol at like 25 or something. So, so it didn't hit. Yeah, didn't hit okay. home. Okay. Well, as a Muppet obsessive, I think it's tremendous. Anyway, so we'll go now to the back of the Guardians list. So in at 10, the top 10 Christmas films. You're thinking, well, we're gonna see Miracle on 34th Street in here. We're probably gonna see National Lampoon. Christmas Vacation. We might see Scrooge. No, in at 10, The Dead. John Huston's majestic swan song. Oh, the Guardian, you've blown it. I just love the fact that it's called The Dead. The Dead, 1987. I want to be crystal clear for people listening. I'm not suggesting that any of these films in and of themselves are not good, but they're not... Christmas films just because the period they cover is over Christmas. And yes, I am including Die Hard in that. Is, what is The Dead? Because I was I was thinking it was like there's a story by James Joyce, but I think that's called The Living and the Dead. That's set at Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's not that. It's not the story takes place on the Feast of Epiphany, the 6th of January, 1904. So it's not even Christmas. It's not even Christmas. Then you might as well include When Harry Met Sally, because that's a New Year's one. Yeah, exactly. This is outrageous. Exactly. Okay, whiz um, through. What have we got? In at nine, Elf. Yeah, yeah you know, Elf's a fun film. I just don't think it's... They've put It's a Wonderful Life at number eight. Weird. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I'm one of those... Mad people who watches it every single Christmas and cries. Actually, I probably cry about five minutes sooner in the film every time I watch it. Yeah. And my You're friend, just going to be crying all the way through soon, aren't you? Brilliant comedian and actor Carrie Quinlan uh, put it on, and when the bells chime in the opening ten seconds, started crying. So, <laughs> <laughs> just as just as an aside, by the way, I love It's a Wonderful Life. It's an amazing film, but. Yeah. But the funniest thing about it is that the, that the most shocking thing of the universe in which he's never born is that his wife ends up as a librarian. <laughs> yes. That's the biggest twist. And, and That's the one they land on. We're meant to go, no! <laughs> and also that Bedford Falls is clearly much, much funner when it's, <laughs> when it's Potterton. Like, I mean, I'm 100% on board with the story of It's a Wonderful Life. I'm like, mm, Potterton looks really fun. Um, Bedford they, Falls is Cigarettes, potters and his vapes. They put in Carol, right? Which obviously, because it's called Carol, you think that's Christmassy, but it isn't. The no, Cape, the Cape Blanchett film. They have included Meet Me in St. Louis, which uh, has includes Judy Garland singing "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." And if that's you nice. haven't seen Meet Me in St. Louis uh, and seen how she sings it, you, you won't be capable of experiencing joy when you every time you hear Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas it's heartbreaking now Miranda you were shocked and I'm going to say it appalled by the fact that I've never seen Billy Wilder's The Apartment I am shocked and appalled neither of you have seen The Apartment The Apartment is one of the greatest films ever made really funny with and heartbreaking with um, uh, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine it's absolutely brilliant and you have to just go away and watch it it's it's just one of the best films ever made. That's number three. That's three. Can we in it two. Talking about number two. In it two. And this is so Guardian. Now, listen, I haven't seen this film. <laughs> I really love the director, right? So they've put in at number two, Tangerine. Right. I've seen it. 
uh, made in 2015. Merry Christmas Eve, bitch. This lively comedy about trans sex workers isn't It's a Wonderful Life. Look closely, though, and the festive spirit thrives in director Sean Baker's whirlwind of attitude, colour, and... Nye, 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 nye. Do be quiet, The Guardian. It, that is not a Christmas film. It's, not, it's a great film. He filmed it on an iPhone. It's really good, but it's not number two of Christmas films. Can and I he just made... Say, he made Florida Project. That's Florida better, Project, which, which is, is a mind-blowingly brilliant film. So no crit of of the film, but the God. Anyway. Let's go, honestly, let's just go to the sun because they've got the films that we, we need to talk about. Now, crucially, uh, the sun have got a massive photograph of Love Actually. Uh, Bill they've Nye got with Bill all the Nye dolly. surrounded by the ladies. And it is worth saying that every time you all watch Love Actually, I make a tiny, tiny residual profit. So do keep watching, please. Uh, it comes through annually. Uh, I think this year it was as much as £2.49, which is nearly enough to rent Love Actually on Amazon Prime. What did you do so, on Love Actually? How very dare you. I'm a, I'm a pivotal scene in Love Actually. I am the radio host at Radio Watford. <laughs> Right, I'm leaving. That's it. I will not. I will not be mocked. I will not be mocked for my film career. I'm the one who interviews uh, uh, Bill Nye's character and ends up asking him best shag you ever had and all of that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a lovely bit of time travel for me because I do look deliciously young. Um, and they've got all the ones you'd expect. They've got Wonderful Life. They've got Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. The Son have got Muppet Christmas Carol, Gremlins. I would say not a Christmas film, but blah. Home Alone. Home Alone? Home Alone. And Why have they not got Home Alone in The Guardian? I was this saying is just before, if you want something joyful and emotional to watch that isn't a whole feature film, watch Macaulay Culkin getting his Hollywood Walk of Fame star Aww, from him. a couple of weeks ago. It is so lovely. He's been through hell as someone who was uh, sort of unimaginably famous as a child and he seems to have found his way back. It, it's it's lovely. Anyway, they've got The Holiday Elf and The Snowman, which I watched with our little two-year-old this morning and he sat absolutely entranced by it. So, Yep. And yes. I have to say, the sun wins. Yeah, I mean, I am our, our little boy, as I said, is, is two and a half and we. I've told him when he gets back from nursery this evening, we're going to sit and watch Tangerine. Um, <laughs> he, you might know, enjoy, he might enjoy it. It's I think fun. he'll love it. A lot of the papers are getting very excited about the discovery of 17-year-old Alex Batty, a lad who went missing six years ago when he was 11 and on holiday in Malaga in Spain with his mum Melanie and granddad David. Weirdly, they were suspected of kidnapping him. Um, they weren't his legal guardians. His granny, Susan, who lived in Oldham, was his guardian. There was an Interpol search out for him. It's quite an odd story, this one, isn't it, John? It's incredibly weird. So firstly, like, that's quite a lot of strange backstory. Like, mm. there, are, there are questions that, that the papers are clearly not in a position to answer right now about, I mean, I think we're... I would like to know why his mother's not his legal guardian, but mm. there's not an answer to that around. But it's also strange um, what what happened, how he came back. So, um, so a chap named uh, Fabian Acidini, who's a student chiropractor and part-time pharmacy delivery driver, uh, was driving around on his rounds in the Toulouse area in southern France. Can I just clarify something? A pharmaceutical delivery driver, that is like the legit version of that, right? <laughs> rather than my mate Terry. 
Yeah. I think this is a describes of... himself as a pharmaceutical delivery driver, but technically isn't. Marcus, I would like to say there's quite a lot of like dodgy legal ground in this story. <laughs> okay. Do we really need to generate no, 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 more let, of it? Let's not get bogged down. Yeah. So this 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 guy um, is driving around in southern France. He keeps seeing this tall blonde lad with a skateboard and a head torch. He's trying to hitchhike. It's two a.m. He's in the foothills of the Pyrenees. It's all a bit odd. Uh, so the second time he sees him. Uh, he picks him up and this kid tells him his name's Zach and then he quickly changes his mind and says it's Alex. He doesn't speak French, so they're chatting in English and Alex eventually says that he's... Wait a minute, how long has he been in France? Six years. Six years. Well, and, he might have been in Spain or Morocco. And, and not a word of French. Yeah. So what an English. absolute lad. <laughs> <laughs> but he, t- he tells the guy he's been living with his mother in a, quote, spiritual community far removed from standard life. He says his mum's a bit mad, but she's not imprisoned him. He's got no hostility towards her, but he wants to see his granny again. Uh, so, so like, the, the driver lends this kid his phone and he contacts his grandmother on Facebook. And he says, hello, grandma. It's me, Alex. I'm in France, Toulouse. I really hope that you receive this message. I love you. I can't wait to come Aww. home. Which is, which is kind of lovely, isn't it? That's yeah, sweet. and it's just like he was planning to walk back from Toulouse to Oldham. It sounds like, I mean, basically, he's been away between the, the crucial years, I have to say, for teenagers, between 11 and 17. Those are your miserable years. Mm. Oh, you God, have that's a, fucking awful. They are your terrible, terrible times. So on one level, I think, I hope he's had a really nice time in a commune learning to skateboard, not learning French, mm. you know, having a lovely time with the hippies in the mountains of France, because those are the pretty awful years. Eating and I, only Basque cheesecake, hopefully. Yeah, nothing to do with cheese. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Although there possibly was a lot of cheese opportunity for him. I would think almost certainly. Yeah, so maybe he's become a kind of, you know, cheese freak. And and, that, and then he was going to walk back to Oldham. But, and he's, you know, going back to Oldham, which isn't the mountains of Pyrenees. But at least at least he spent his teenage years away from the awfulness of school. So I'm hoping he's going to have a nice time. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if he wants, if he definitely wants to come back, I think... From the tiny bit that's available to us now, information-wise, I think it'll be quite difficult for him, whatever whatever follows. But crucially, he's found his way out and found his grandma, and hopefully he's, you know, it's going to be all right. It is, it's one of those stories where initially I sort of went, oh, wow, okay, well, we'll talk about that on Paper Cuts. He's been snatched by a cult and his family have been yeah. looking for him and stuff. No, hang on. He went with his mum and his granddad on what has at least at this point, turns out to be quite a long holiday. Now, it's Friday, which means, of course, that it's time for Fix the Headline. Every week we find a fantastic story with an unfantastic headline and tell you all about it because we know that you, the Paper Cuts listeners, can show up the shoddy subbing and fix that headline. And this week we've got the star missing an open goal. They've got a story about boffins discovering that they can make a new high-tech rocket fuel from cow dung. Mm. Headline gold, right? So why have the star gone with cow dung? We have a problem. That doesn't work at all. It no, doesn't work doesn't at all. It's, really, it's not really a bad. problem. And cow dung doesn't sound like Houston at all. It's rubbish. Okay. I imagine that the star has quite good holiday entitlement and they've all fucked off for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, we know that you can think up something better. Send your ideas to at Show on X or threads with the hashtag fix the headline. The best one gets a fabulous Papercuts t-shirt. 
So roll up your sleeves, put a pencil behind your ear and let's hear your ideas. But what about today? Are there any headlines that pass muster? Marcus, what have you got? There really are. Brace yourselves. Where are you? So I'm in the sun. Mm. And uh, you know when um, people put butter on toast deliberately in the shape of Jesus and they go, look, Jesus is in my toast. <laughs> well, it's happened in the shower, but it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> a, wo- a woman wondered, is this the real life? Or is it just fantasy when she saw Freddie Mercury in her bathroom? <laughs> basically, there's some some soap on the wall of her shower that looks a bit like looks Freddie. a little bit like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Well, John, I don't think you're leading into this. <laughs> I do what I think has happened here is I think someone came up with this list of incredible puns and then they put the soap on the wall. <laughs> anyway, the the headline pun is I see a little silhouette of a man. Because it's on a tile. Yeah, because okay. he's on a tile. But it doesn't stop there. Freddie's tub 10. Shampoo <laughs> wants to live forever. <laughs> Uh, too much loofah will kill you. Under, <laughs> under uh, brackets, water pressure. Uh, this this one I love. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that's great. Lovely. I love it. Uh, the shower must go on. Uh, this is just another gem here. Barcelona. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that's great. Gaga, Gaga, that is a stretch. Uh, <laughs> we will wash you. No. Uh, <laughs> and probably my favourite, a crazy little thing called Plug. <laughs> that's so. Very I mean, good. that is an absolute feast of yeah. of puns. Well done, the Sun. Okay, and you've got the back page of the Star as well, haven't you? This is a sports story on the back of the star. Now, when it comes to sport, good luck, everybody. (laughs) So uh, the story on the left is Arteta in the clear over his VAR outburst. Now, I know who Mikel Arteta is, and so do you. And on on the other side of the page, Welch will be first lady of the Prem. Rebecca Welch will make history by becoming the first female referee to take charge of a Premier's game. And the headline is Rant and Beck. Very good. Two stories and and one. I would think that Rebecca Welch, when she becomes the first female referee, uh, will be absolutely fine. And social media will be, uh, if anything, generous. So the Mirror's got a story uh, that says that uh, when it comes to keeping your heart healthy, uh, scientists, not boffins, by the way, scientists, because the Mirror is high class, uh, (laughs) say it's not what you do, but how long you do it for. So it's a good news, bad news thing. The good news is the exercise you do can be quite a light activity and it will still help with your health. The bad news is it's got to be three hours a day. Wow, Which okay. Is, who the hell is fitting that into that schedule? I yeah. don't know. Anyway, the headline, you got to stroll with it. Well, okay, so this is aimed at my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to walk for three hours a day. <laughs> also in the, in the sun, uh, there's a very romantic story about a woman who proposed to a fiancé using a Cornish pasty with the words, <laughs> marry me, baked on it. <laughs> oh, That's lovely. That is sweet. And what's the headline? Uh, the headline is, just say paidu. That's quite sweet. It does I mean, look... it does look a bit like pedo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, but... Yeah, it's a thought that counts. <laughs> There'll be people all over Cornwall right now going, it's not a pie, it isn't a pie. <laughs> 
Now let's turn to the fun features section in the middle of the papers to find out just how bad our lives, our houses and our trousers actually are. Please inform, entertain, improve and impoverish us. Actually, this next story does none of these things. It does entertain us, but impoverish us, it does not. Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes has a brilliant Q&A in The Guardian opposite the, the, the list of... Uh, uh, Christmas movies yeah. is a Q&A with Buster Rhymes hip-hop star Buster Rhymes if you're not sure who he is he's great when you fold G2 in half you're literally squashing the face of Buster Rhymes into that of Gonzo as Charles Dickens so yeah it's a <laughs> lovely thing um, so if you're not particularly familiar with Buster Rhymes perhaps you are perhaps you're not uh, he's a pretty amazing rapper famed for uh, the speed and flow of his uh, lyrical stylings. And they are incredible. He's the guy who uh, does the what I got to do to get it through to you. Yeah. And then loads of that. He's mind-blowing. But this story here, like, there's loads of detail in it that I was like, what? did you?" So he basically spent all of his childhood summers in England he was basically one of the famous five, as far as I can make out. <laughs> he showed up at people's houses going, any chance of a bowl of free custard? Um, uh, I spent time when I was a little boy staying in places like Morecambe, Preston and Blackpool. And then he says, wham, Culture Club, David Bowie, all that shit was popping. <laughs> He uh, goes on to say, "Hunky Dory is the illest shit ever to me." I, I mean, I, I sort of quite like Busta Rhymes as a rapper. I'm not massively into hip hop these days, but the fact that he loves Hunky Dory, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, great. he's so great. On board. So then you think, okay, well, obviously, you know, he's an amazing musician, massively successful. Of course, he'd have been interested in music as a little boy, and over, you know, he was over here in the UK uh, consuming that stuff. This did surprise me, though. The interviewer says, I remember once reading that you loved Benny Hill. What was it about him that was so funny? And I, I'll quote directly from Buster here. Benny Hill is the funniest motherfucker ever. <laughs> we grew up watching Benny Hill's shit. It wasn't just an England thing. Benny was huge here in Brooklyn, too. What? Was he? Was he? They all practice their rap to it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Be really fast. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. If you could, uh, yeah, if you can rap to yakety sax, maybe that's where it comes from. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's a really, it's, it's a fantastic interview. In that, uh, you know, I, like I said, I was a passing knowledge of, of Buster Rhymes, but the whole interview is fascinating and successful because I want to go and listen to his new record. So that was a very joyful uh, tale, Marcus, but we've got a very, very sad tale in the business section of The Telegraph. In fact, we're thinking of starting a Paper Cuts Christmas appeal because yeah. our hearts go out to these poor victims. That's right. Um, I think at this time of year, you know, there are people who get forgotten about. Mm, it's true. There are people who get left behind and they are often unseen. <laughs> And this uh, headline here is Cities White Men Voice Fears Over Diversity Drive. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. This is our Christmas appeal. It's all very well sitting there saying, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> are you willing to take a white banker into your house this Christmas? <laughs> John, are you? Have you got a white banker in your house? Will you take one? Will you give shelter to one of these poor... <laughs> White bankers. <laughs> I don't have a spare room in large part because of the financialization of the housing sector. That 
the <laughs> banks have been responsible for. <laughs> oh, I see. And and what other victims do you say it's their fault? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mar- Miranda, would you mind giving me um, your best rendition of the R tune music, I can do please? That. Thank okay. you. La, da, da, do, There's a banker. Let's let's call him Toby because it's probably his name. <laughs> Toby started out with all the advantage of other white male straight bankers and soon enough found that he was surrounded by mostly other white male straight bankers. But Toby always felt that there should be more people that look like him. I can't, I can't go on anyone. This, this article is absolutely stunning. It begins with, it's rough out there for white men. And listen, I am one, and um, it isn't. <laughs> Doesn't it call you an endangered species? It, this I was, really makes me laugh. I was really hoping that they would get to endangered species, and sure enough, it's in paragraph two. A growing number of men feel that, and remember, your feelings are valid, uh, that strict diversity policies aimed at creating a level playing field, blah, blah, blah. Um, Tesco chief John Allen, another victim of this, <laughs> uh, says white men are becoming an endangered species in British boardrooms. This is just like, can I just say, this is not true. There are very, very few women on the board, boards with this, like loads of surveys about it. <laughs> oh, but there are some. Yeah. There are now some. Here we go. <laughs> there used to be none, and now there are some. And now there are some. And that's very threatening. Exactly. Yeah. They're very. Safe. And can I just say, Miranda, that mm-hmm. you um, uh, screeching that just then was? <laughs> I'd, I'd call it a, a microaggression, but it wasn't. It was macro. It was macro. <laughs> it you was are macro. oppressed, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel really oppressed by your behaviour right now. Um, uh, they've done the thing which is true which helpfully probably brings some legitimacy to this someone has said the assumption seems to be that all white males have some form of advantage that needs to be neutralised there are a lot of white males who come from very poor backgrounds that is true and very few of them find their way into the world of elite banking yeah. um, and it goes on and on but anyway the point is this is the paper cuts Christmas appeal <laughs> If you can give um, just a modest bonus of £800,000 <laughs> to a city banker this Christmas, then you'll be doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. Also, there's homelessness, but, you know, that's pretty old hat. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John. Thank God. <laughs> and thanks to Marcus. Merry Christmas films. <laughs> and we'll be back in Christmas week. Paper cuts never sleeps with more of the press's wonders and weirdnesses. Don't forget, you can keep the show in rude health by joining the Paper Cut Supporters Club. From a mere three pounds a month, you can get ad-free episodes, extended editions, mugs, t-shirts, and the Christmassy glow of knowing you back, prime podcasting mates. There's a link in the show notes, so do yourself a Christmas favour and join our happy throng. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when The Telegraph reveals that a woman in Australia drove off with a delivery van containing £20,000 worth of Krispy Kremes. <gasps> so four donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Police do not know what she was thinking. See you on Monday. The Marleys were dead to begin with. <laughs>
Get out. Can't do the credits. Right. Papercuts was presented by Miranda Sawyer with Marcus Brigstock and John Elledge. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The executive producer was Martin Boytosh. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis. And the producers were Adam Wright and me, Alex Reese. Socials by Kieran Leslie. Music by Simon Williams. Art direction by Modern Toss and James Parrott. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>